that's a brilliant bit of advice. I wish somebody had told me that before about putting on the sheet and then the waterproof sheet and then the sheet because I was that woman up at two and three o'clock in the morning going through the linen cupboard going, where are the sheets? <laughs> Hello, you're very welcome to the Parentline podcast. I'm your host, Kerry McLean. I'm a broadcaster, a Parentline ambassador, and I'm a mum of three. And this is the podcast where we talk all things parenting, both the joys and the challenges along the way, wherever you are on your parenting journey. I'm delighted to say that my guest today is Susan Wallace from Settled Paddles and Susan is here today to talk about a subject that I think all parents feel more than a little anxious when you are just about to get going and that is because the subject for today is potty training. Never an easy one, Susan. No, some children certainly find it more challenging than others, that's for sure. I think it's fair to say some parents find it more challenging than others as well, because it's a tough thing. It's the first thing I think that you always get a bit worried about is when to start. At what age should you be starting to think about, right, it's time to do the toilet training? So I don't get caught too much in age. I get more about when a child is showing signs. And that's because what a lot of people don't know about potty training, it's actually hugely developmental. We just do little things to help children with that. But if a child's not ready, it can make it much more difficult. So the average age is 27 months. Some children are not ready to potty train until they're well into their threes. Other children at 18 months just wake up and suddenly say they want, you know, big pants on. So I try not to get too caught up in age and I would look more for signs that a child is potty training ready and that will make everyone's life a lot easier than getting too caught up in what another child did or a cousin or someone down the road. There is a lot more development that is required for successful potty training than I think a lot of people appreciate. Uh, you mentioned those signs and also before we talk about the signs for potty training you're so right because the amount of times that whenever I was going through that myself and you would have somebody saying to you oh are you only potty training them at two yeah I had mine off nappies from the age of about a year and you're thinking oh you know it is like that terrible panic that you think you're letting your kids fall behind in some way or other but tell me about those signs what should we be looking out for then that, that shows us that our kids are ready to go through that stage yeah, so what I always am looking for is that the child's bladder is actually big enough to be able to hold urine and direct it. So between the ages of two and four and a half, some children's bladders actually double in size, which is going to mean that it's much easier for a child to be able to potty train. Um, and they also aren't able to initiate urine flow initially. So we want to see that as well. So the sorts of signs I would be looking for is that there a child is having a dry nappy for at least two hours, because that's suggesting to me that the bladder is actually big enough. We want it to be that when they do go, that they actually recognize that they went. And again, that's developmental. So some children will happily you know, sit in a wet nappy for ages. Others will start getting a bit particular and not want that. So I'd be looking for that they actually are able to recognize when they have gone. Um, a skill that would come after that would be recognizing when they need to go. So some people think, oh, this is strange. My child's now hiding behind the sofa under the table or behind a curtain. They're the favorite three before, you know, they, they poo and they're thinking, oh, is this, is this something to be worried about? That's actually good because it suggests to me that that child actually knows when they're about to go. 
and has now reached a developmental point that they maybe just want a bit of privacy and I think we can all understand that. They start taking an interest in others going to the toilet. So um, anyone who's parenting a toddler probably hasn't weighed themselves alone for quite some time. So it's not just wanting to be in the bathroom, but them start being interested in maybe what's happening in there, taking, you know, a bit of information about the flush. Maybe there's little siblings around and they're getting a bit interested and boy, these dirty nappies, so a little bit of interest. And um, we want them also to be able to have the skills like pulling down their pants, pulling down their trousers, so they would be more social skills. And also we want them to be able to let you know when they need to go. So that doesn't mean they have to be verbal. There's some children out there who are non-verbal and are perfectly capable of potty training, but they would need to, to be able to maybe point or get themselves somewhere or use whatever tools that they have to kind of let them know. So they, they would be the ones that I would be looking for that would give me a good indicator. They don't have to have them all. I also would be looking for no constipation and UTIs. That's a big one. I wouldn't start potty training with either of those and also environmental. So I always think, you know, what's their physical? Are they physically ready? Which the two R's would kind of give us a clue. Are they socially ready? Are they taking a bit of an interest? And is the environment ready? So just because your child is ready, if you're in the middle of moving house or, you know, there's been a bereavement or there's been something quite disruptive in the family, it mightn't be the best time environmentally and that's okay you know the window is bigger than people think and you're better to wait another month if it means you're in a good place to start as well because potty training does take a little bit of time and attention so we want to make sure that's there as well and what would your first step be because whenever I think back to my own journey doing toilet training I tried books with the kids I tried musical parties I tried all different sorts of things what would you say is your essential kit and what would you start with so I would start with a period of preparation before you even start the actual process. So I'd be looking for maybe books for children who are visual learners. And um, some children respond better to little videos. There's some things you can get on YouTube. I would just always tell a parent to just double check what you're about to show your child as YouTube has got lots of things on there. Some are more appropriate than others. Um, I would have a potty available. So I always recommend at least two potties. So maybe one for upstairs, one for downstairs. If you live in a two-story house, if you live in a longer bungalow, you might want it to be that there's, you know, two in either side. Um, I would be talking about poo and wee a little bit more normal. So I think as a society, we don't talk about pooing and weighing very much and as a result a lot of parents actually feel that they're isolated when things don't go well because it's not something we talk about so very hard for a child to suddenly get a new skill of something we don't say so even saying little things like oh mummy feels a feeling you know in her tummy that makes her think she needs to do a wee or do a poo um, and just start having that language all quite normalized I would involve children in picking their own big underwear and um, usually with a cartoon character that they like but not making too much of a fuss and what I would do for the weeks before starting potty training is actually keep those pants somewhere close where the nappies usually are so they become everyday items that a child suddenly isn't presented with these pants and not quite sure what to do and um, you might want to offer that they can sit on their potty or even put 
um, stickers around it to make it their own. Obviously not in the bowl because there'll be tears when those will inevitably get ruined. Um, but around the outside. So if your child likes Fireman Sam, you can make it a Fireman Sam potty and, you know, even invite them in their clothes um, to have a little sit on that. They don't have to wait just so it becomes part of the family, really. Um, so before I would start anything, I would definitely start with that little bit of prep work just to give them a wee clue into what's coming next. Why is it, do you think, that some kids almost seem quite scared of potty training? You know, you can have, I mean, we definitely in our family had uh, tears occasionally. And then, you know, I, I kind of did that stepping back from it and, you know, trying again in a couple of weeks time. But there was there was a, almost like a fear of being potty trained. Absolutely. It's huge and it's a big transition for them. But, you know, if if I produced a potty or a portable at the side of a toilet for, you know, the side of a road for you and said, let's have a little go or, you know, you're out in the forest and there's no toilet around, you had to go. I would feel quite nervous too. Um, so I think, you know, suddenly not having this nappy, the one continuous thing that children have had from the very day they were born is taken away. And it's quite a complex process because a child has to recognize they have to go. They have to get themselves to the place where they go. And then they have to initiate their urine stream or do a poo and all of that is, is quite new to put together so um some children it's like anything we can be scared of anything so I didn't take to driving the car I was not a natural at that because I found you know I was trying to look in the mirror and indicator and gear stick and that all became a bit overwhelming um at the time and so it's quite like that for children there's a lot to this process and supporting them and I think children also they fear accidents. They fear feeling that they've done something wrong and upsetting us in some way. And they also, as a society, we don't talk about poo in a very positive way. So you probably go, oh, that's a horrible poo or watch the dog poo or, you know, it's not something we, do, we don't want it to be too familiar because we want to, you know, it's germs and it's not nice. Um, but it's not talked about in a very positive way. And then suddenly one day we go from, oh, what a poo nappy and don't touch that and don't roll that way and don't to, oh, no, poos are great. Let's go in the toilet. There's also little things. So an uncomfortable little nip in the potty can be enough. Um, or also I've, I've worked with children who have really disliked the splash on the toilet. From a sensory point of view, especially if you're a child that does not like, you know, sensory feeling and would be quite fussy about labels and clothes being splashed isn't always pleasant and um, so all of those things would contribute as well as in the early days it can be sometimes hard just to really get that release and that can cause a little bit of constipation so children start holding to avoid it not wanting to go avoiding again then when they eventually do go it might be quite sore or uncomfortable and they want to avoid that and so the cycle continues so one of those things sometimes there's a reason Sometimes, like anything, you know, some of us are afraid of spiders or heights and you don't necessarily have had to have a bad experience with a height or a spider to be afraid of those, just some things we are. And with potty training, it's much more common than people think, just this fear. But I think it's, it's it probably stems from either discomfort or overwhelm, both of which we can understand. So what would you do in that instance then? Would you take a step back from it or would you have you got methods that you would use then to help them overcome that? Yeah, so both. Um, so sometimes it is that a child's maybe just started a bit early or the, the, the first few days haven't gone as you want. 
um, what any parent listening to this do not feel committed that once you've joined the potty training process that you cannot pause it and in fact there's lots of research out there to suggest that actually a pause um, for children who are finding it difficult can often be the most positive thing that you can do so um, don't be afraid of a pause um, in that instance and then you can work on it again um, in a few weeks time there are things that we can do that can really help the process so one of my favorite ones would ha- be having a little blow basket so in when you are tense it's very hard to have one body, part of your body tense and one relaxed so if you have a tense jaw you tend to have tense shoulders and you know all of those different things so we wanted a child to relax and I also help families with baby yoga about relaxing parents so I'd be saying let's have a breathing exercise now if you say that to your two or three year old they mightn't really want to join in your yoga breathing exercise so what we do and we supply a little basket with items they can blow so say blow bubbles if I say what is the biggest bubble you can blow you don't have to go to the toilet while you're on the potty but let's just play with our bubbles for a while what's the biggest bubble a child will have to take a big deep breath in and go Wow, I bet you can't blow a bigger bubble than that. Actually, a breathing exercise. And when you start breathing, they actually relax their sphincter, which makes it easier for it to pass. Other things you can do um, for slightly older children, they can try a balloon. Um, some children are too young to blow balloons up. Um, you know those really annoying things in a party bag, you blow them and it all twirls out. <laughs> That's another good one. Recorder, harmonica, basically all the things that your neighbours are wish you never listened to this podcast and were given the ideas for. Um, but anything that can be blown, and um, even those old-fashioned you know windmills we would have had you'd have gotten them at like seaside resorts when we're younger you can get those online quite cheap but I always just say just be careful because they're pointy and fall apart on this day of health and safety I know we all survived them but um, just be careful they have loose parts but anything that you can blow will just really um, help relax your child while they're sitting there and what you're actually doing is a breathing exercise that relaxes the sphincter but obviously you don't need to go in that much detail with your two and three year old just have a fun basket for the potty training process. And what about uh, star charts or reward charts? Would you use those kind of things? I do. Now, I know there's different parenting styles on this. So some people would prefer their child to have intrinsic motivation, which would mean that they want to wait till their child is showing signs of readiness and that wants a reward for themselves. And in my experience, when most people come to me, that hasn't worked it might work for some families it doesn't work for others there is a lot of research about rewards and it's actually more successful to reward trying and to reward a process rather than to reward a person so rather than saying you're getting a star because you were a good girl or a good boy it is much more helpful to say you tried really hard for weaning today so we're going to put it up here or you're getting it because wow that must have been hard work getting it there sometimes a child will say I need to go to the potty and off they go um, and they have a little accident because the, the bladder's immature so we don't want to say no star for that actually that child was making the right moves so I would still reward that and um, lots of verbal praise but it does come down to parenting style whether that's somebody's parenting style but it does it does in my opinion work quite well so just keeping it process based rather than you're good or whatever and on the other hand we absolutely do not reprimand or scold or shame for accidents they are part of the process and star charts only tend to work if a child 
can prioritize the future. So sometimes people will say, okay, if you get, you know, a star every day um, on Friday, we will go to the zoo or get a pizza or do whatever. And other children, some children cannot prioritize. So some adults can't prioritize the future. So what I would do is say to a child, say they're allowed chocolate buttons and there's no allergies or whatever. I would say to a child, I'm going to put this chocolate button in front of you and you're allowed to eat it. And we're going to play a little song. You can eat the chocolate button anytime, but if you don't eat it, when the song ends, you're going to have a second button. The child that eats the button cannot prioritize a two minute song. They are never going to prioritize the zoo visit in a week's time. If they can wait, that would suggest that actually they get the, the sense of, of, um, waiting for a reward. If a child cannot wait, you will probably have to give them something in the, there and now. Um, and I wouldn't be a fan of giving chocolate or sweets as a reward. Now, anyone listening, if you've done that, I do not judge at all. So it works for every family, but I'm just very aware that sometimes when we use food as a reward, people can put that in the little part of their brain that think food and reward go together. So when they grow up and they're thinking, oh, I'm having a bad day, I'm going to eat because I want to have that feel good feeling that I did that I got at that time. Or similarly, if they're having a difficult time, they might think I don't deserve that food. And I try to stick, keep away from food and rewards being connected. Um, but if, you know, it comes down to a parent, whether or not they, that they feel and, and potty training is a short term goal. So it's unlikely to have too big of effect, but just as because I'm always working with children. That would be what I would do. And in those instances, I would actually get something small. So say a child loves drawing. I would maybe buy like a pack of crayons and wrap them all up so they don't know what color. Get a coloring book because children love doing things together with you. And every time instead of getting a star, they get to unwrap and we're thinking, what color is it? We're waiting for green. So you want to draw the color in the grass. So it's blue. Never mind. We'll do the sky or, you know, child might want blue grass or whatever. And that would be for the children who a reward chart is just beyond that they just can't get that future reward although i have to say if you set a chocolate button down in front of me i don't know if i could wait two minutes before i ate it either <laughs> <laughs> well this is a, this is a personality thing as well as developmental so you know we all know people who every Saturday night make the same the same um maybe poor decision making because they cannot prioritize Sunday morning or how they'll feel on Monday and you know at work you're having to counsel them all week about actually let's think about the decisions we're going to make on Saturday night Saturday night comes and it's just all too exciting and they don't mind about Sunday or Monday's feeling at the time so um you know there's different personalities that will find these things more difficult. So, you know, you could work with a 12 year old who will not pass a chocolate button test. You could work with an 18 year month old who might decide that actually they're weighing. So it's just good to, to, to go into the individual and see where they're at and, and base our um, system based on their own individual needs. We'll be back in just a minute after this short message from the Parent Line team. Parentline NI is a free confidential service offering advice, support and guidance on any parenting matter. If you would like some support with any of the issues raised in today's podcast or any other parenting issue, please call the Parentline team today on free phone 0808 8020 400 or check out our Facebook page for more information. Now, on with the show. Now, as tricky as potty training or toilet training is 
for those wedding hours, it seems to be doubly as hard whenever it comes to nighttime. So at what stage then do you know that a child is ready to start, you know, getting rid of the nappies at nighttime? So I'm going to make life easier for everyone out there thinking about night training. Night training is pretty much developmental. So two things have to happen for your child to be able to stay dry all night. One, their bladder needs to be big enough to store urine all night, which is developmental. The bladder is growing. It's a huge period of growth between the ages of about two and four and a half. So sometimes we have to just wait till that bladder is big enough. We cannot make the bladder bigger than it currently is at that at any one time. The second thing that has to happen to keep a child dry overnight is that the child starts producing a hormone in significant quantities that reduces urine production in the night. We need both of those things to happen for a child to stay dry. So waking a child up to put them on the toilet will speed up neither of those. So sometimes people will say, oh, my child's potty trained through the night. But then when I start asking a few more questions, I realize at half 10 at night before the parents go to sleep, they lift their child for a dream wee. Now, that child just might not be ready to go through the night. And because I'm also a sleep consultant, I like to try and prioritize sleep as well as potty training. And the deepest and most restorative part of a child's sleep, um, toddler sleep, is usually between around 7, 11, 8 and 12. That's when the deep restorative sleep happens. So us lifting them during that time can actually disrupt that period. So nor does it actually speed up the potty training process. It just means that we artificially think a child can go through the night when they can't. So all I recommend doing for potty training, which is different from, you know, maybe a seven or eight year old that is having accidents, we might need to do something different there. But for potty training, I just recommend that a family keep a nappy on and keep a little look on the nappy. And if it is dry for a consecutive week, lose the nappy and go to waterproof sheet. So what I recommend making the bed is a waterproof sheet, a regular sheet, a waterproof sheet, a regular sheet. And that way, if there is a little accident, you're not running around the house going, where did we put the sheets? And, you know, if you've got a, a cot bed in your house, a, a normal single bed and your bed and you're thinking what sheets belong and um, so all you have to do if there's an accident is lift the first two sets of sheet off and you have a ready-made bed so it's not traumatic for your child don't make too much fuss change their pajamas it's all done in a few minutes and then you know expect that accidents sometimes do happen but on the whole i don't recommend anything fancy for potty training just wait until those nappies are dry for a consecutive week. And um, if your child wakes up in, in the middle of the night and asks to go for to go to the potty, that's actually a really good sign because it makes me think that actually their brain is recognizing when the bladder is full. And there's times as, as adults we have to get up and do that. So I don't see that as a negative at all. That's a child is calling us because they have a need and they need our support to help that need. So other than that, um, keep nights simple. That would be my biggest advice. That's a brilliant bit of advice. I wish somebody had told me that before about putting on the sheet and then the waterproof sheet and then the sheet because I was that woman up at two and three o'clock in the morning going through the linen cupboard going, where are the sheets? That's a brilliant bit of advice. Thank you so much for that. Exactly. <laughs> Susan, what would your advice be for parents who think that happy days, we've done this toilet training thing and then all of a sudden the kids seem to slip back, seem to revert to... Um, not knowing exactly what they're meant to be doing because that happens quite frequently, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. So it's very, very common. Um, and the best thing to do is try to work out why. So some children start having more frequent accidents a little bit into potty training. And one of the reasons can sometimes be that children misinterpret what what the goal of potty training is. So um, what I always say is the aim is for when a child's bladder is full, that they recognize that full feeling and they direct it to either a potty or a toilet and they initiate their urine stream there and they may have accidents during that time and that is absolutely appropriate and to be expected because these little bladders are just developing I think people are quite hard on themselves as parents as as potty trainers and they will count how many accidents a child has to say how the process is going. So if a child was learning to walk, you wouldn't say, oh, they stumbled three times today. You would say, oh, they've been walking really well today and walked most of the day. But with potty training, for some reason, instead of saying they attempted to go to the potty or we've done this, they actually, we say they've had so many accidents, um, which isn't always the most conducive thing and also sometimes i i really recommend never praising for dry pants because some children then think that the aim of potty training is to keep their pants dry it's not the aim of potty training is for a child to recognize the feelings they need to go and direct it and sometimes if we praise for dry pants we dress for dry sheets or we try to potty train too quickly children then think what they have to do is hold and that's what we don't really want so what then happens is initially they can hold quite well particularly if in the early days of potty training you're offering the potty quite regularly then what happens is a bit like if you were on the climbing frame in a park and you were holding onto the bars you could probably hold 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 for a little while and then the your muscles start getting sore same as the bladder and it just starts releasing um, involuntarily like you physically cannot hold yourself anymore and so the accidents happen and then children start maybe they've been told off or maybe they don't like the feeling of being wet so what they do is they hold more they get into a holding cycle which causes frequent accidents so that's one thing to look out for and in that instance I would be really saying to a child it's okay not making too much of a fuss that happens changing them not too much fuss one way or the other Another thing I look for when a parent comes to me and says their child is having frequent accidents when they didn't used to would be ruling out constipation. So sometimes a child, when they're constipated, um, gets a little bit backed up in the boil and the boil becomes heavy and actually presses on the bladder and that actually causes frequent accidents as well. So I think sometimes people think I'm not listening initially when they say we're having frequent urine accidents and I say, okay, tell me about the poo. How does it look? How frequent are they going? Um, But it's because constipation constipation can actually cause urinary accidents. Another thing can be environment. So sometimes children change room in nursery and maybe the older room don't offer the potty just as much or perhaps you know they're they're trying to work two different systems between home and nursery so if I always would recommend speaking to a nursery provider and make sure you're using the same language so sometimes you might call it a way at home and you might say to your child you want to go for a way they might call it a pp in their new room at nursery so when they're asked do you want to do a pp the child genuinely doesn't know what's being asked of them and so says no because they don't know what a pp is and so the accidents happen Another really common one is something going on in the environment. So perhaps there's been a bereavement and perhaps there's just too much going on. They've a new, you know, a new house and they've moved house and they're just getting a bit caught up. So you mightn't be asking as frequently and they might be getting, you know, children get can get quite focused on things. So they might be playing a little computer game or playing with Lego or playing with whatever it is they like to play with and just forgetting really or not prioritizing it 
And the other one can be a new baby. So this is a real common one. So I, I find when there's a new baby in the house, sometimes children just get overwhelmed by that. Other times they're thinking, where has my 100% attention gone? And they can realize quite quickly that a really good way of getting that is to urinate themselves because suddenly, even if they're being told off, which I never recommend anyway, but sometimes, you know, as parents, you get, um, there's only so much you can take and you've maybe not, you're sleep deprived and whatever. The children will favor any attention over none at all. And sometimes they can get into a little habit where actually if they ever need a little bit of focus back on them. Um, and in that instance, I just recommend just cleaning them, keeping it fuss free and just making sure you're building a wee bit of one-to-one -one time in with them at another part of the day, maybe when the baby's napping or something like that. So I'd always be looking at what is the cause of this? And that would help me determine the best action for a family to help support them with that. Because it can be tough. And I guess that's the thing is to remember that, you know, it can be hard for the kids. It can be hard for the parents. It can be a tricky time for everybody involved. So maybe just a wee bit of kind of oh, relaxing into it for everybody might be the way to go forward. Absolutely. And I just would like to remind parents, potty training and how, quick, how many accidents your child has, how quickly your child potty trains does not say how good a parent you are. It does not say how well your child is going to do in life. And um, it is a process that can be quite frustrating and long when you're in it. But no one will ask you at a job interview, what age did you potty train? The majority of children will get there eventually. And it's like every stage in parenting, when you're in a colicky newborn phase, you think that life is never going to change. When your child is teething, you think you're never going to get out of that. When you're weaning or you have a fussy eater, you think you're never going to get out of that. Same with potty training. It is all consuming. It can be when you're in it. Some children just get it. Some it's a bit more difficult than others, but all children are different, different. And there'll be some children that learn to ride a bike a little bit easier, learn to read a little bit easier. Some children potty training is just the thing that they find difficult. So it's not being too hard on yourself as parents. It's not being too hard on your children as little tiny people. It's appreciating that, yes, you're probably going to have to clean up a bit more wee and poo, which isn't pleasant. The washing machine will be on a little bit more frequently than the 24 hours that it already is. But at the end of the day, the majority of children will get there. And if you're finding that difficult, please do speak to people. I think with sleep, I'm also a sleep consultant, we talk about our sleep. So say I had a difficult night on Sunday night because I just personally couldn't sleep. I might say to someone I was working with on Monday, my goodness, I'm wrecked today. I didn't sleep well for whatever reason last night. If I was constipated or a UTI and you weren't feeling yourself on a Monday, much less likely you would say to someone you hardly knew, sorry, I'm not myself. I'm just a bit constipated or have a UTI today. It's we don't talk about our bowel movements and our urine movements the way that we talk about sleep. And this has meant that we, this translates into toddlerhood and parenthood. So when you go to a baby group and everyone's talking about sleep, no one's talking about the wee and the poo. It's like socially we don't do it. But what I'm trying to get it talked about a bit more because I f I'm working with a lot of parents who are feeling very isolated, believe they're the only one experiencing issues. And if that were true, I wouldn't have a job. It's because it is so common that my support um, exists. So do talk to people about it and you will probably find that more people find it more difficult than they were letting on. So it's nothing personal to you or your family. 
I'm personally going to talk about peas and poos a lot more often this season after that to everybody I meet. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad to be getting the message out there. And I can 100% echo that. I mean, my three kids, not one of them followed the same pattern whenever we came to doing potty training or toilet training. Not one of them. Not one of them was like, oh, yeah, tick, tick. That was the same with the other two. Absolutely. And it's just appreciating. They're little people. They're, um, they've got their own strengths. They've got their own muscles that are, you know, easier than others. Um, their bladders grow at different speeds, different things going on. You know, this last year has been tough with, um, lockdown. People, you know, little toddlers aren't maybe seeing the same social, you know, if you're at a nursery and everyone goes and is potty training together, they're seeing that and learning that. Um, but you know, a lot of people haven't been having those same experiences. So, you know, it, it just adds another element that hadn't been there before. Brilliant. Susan, thank you so much again for having a chat with us today. Susan Wallace from Settled Pedals with lots of great advice and tips to help you if you're going down that toilet training path at the moment. Thank you so much. Thank you.